Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Today, our guest speaker, Jerry Applequist, shares with us the power of testimony. We each have a story to tell, and today we get to hear Jerry's story. We hope you enjoy this message. God never intended for us to live the Christian life all by ourselves in a vacuum with not one another. Christianity is a community faith. We're brothers and sisters, all part of the family. And that's part of the power of Celebrate Recovery, is you don't do it by yourself. You've got friends to carry you through, to support you, to encourage you, to keep you on the straight and narrow path. And so, with great pleasure, I'm going to introduce our speaker for today, Jerry Applequist. And he's part of our Celebrate Recovery team, and he's going to share his testimony with us today. And we just uh, take a minute to just pray and introduce him. In Jesus' name, we just pray, Father God, that you will give Jerry the words that everyone needs to hear so that they may be closer to Jesus and more like your son, Jesus, and more successful in all their endeavors in life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Good morning. So you folks are blessed to have a church that you're in at the moment that has a recovery program. It is a wonderful thing. I am a product of multiple recovery programs. And if you come on Tuesday night, if you take the time try it once, maybe try it a couple times, you will find out that your church is sponsoring a fantastic program to turn people's lives around. Each and every one of us has a story to tell about our life. I'm 63 years old, and I've known God since I was eight years old as my Lord and Savior. One of the things that Celebrate Recovery will ask you to do, if you stay in the program for a while, they will ask you to write down your story, your walk coming to God, so that you can share it with other people. I'm going to share some of my story. There's kids that are going to see this, so I'm going to tame it down a little bit. But at the end of this, you're going to know more about me than you ever wanted to. And you're going to know maybe some Bible verses that might help you with some of your life stuff. First thing that uh, doing your testimony for Celebrate Recovery asks you to do is to talk about the old me, the old you. I'm a very grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I'm in recovery. Things that I struggle with, I struggle with forgiveness of myself for my sins I struggle with patience, waiting for God's timing. And yes, at times I struggle with a monster called depression. The insanity of my life before this prodigal son reached out of the gutter and asked God to pull me up out of the gutter before recovery. When I was a very young child, I was abused in many, many ways by people 
who should have protected me. This left a very deep hole in my life and created a lack of trust in everyone but God. I have a lot of symptoms still that are very similar to post-traumatic stress disorder. I wrestle with anger issues. I wrestle with a depression monster. I often want to be alone. Now we'll get to some of the details. When I was a little kid, at one point in my life, we lived in Richfield, Minnesota, and I was eating breakfast on a Saturday morning in our kitchen, looking out the kitchen window into the backyard, and I see a gentleman in a suit and tie very early in the morning jump over the back fence into our backyard, and as he jumps over the fence, it exposes that he's got a 38 revolver in a holster underneath his jacket. And I'm like, what is going on here? Well, I had an older brother that was a drug dealer, and they came to my house, my parents' house, looking for my older brother. My older brother was not there. My mom let him in. They searched the whole house. They didn't find him. But that was one of many um, wake-up calls in my life. Wasn't too long after that, there was a thing that those of us who have gray hair remember called the Vietnam War. There were a lot of veterans who came home from Vietnam. My brother, my older brother, knew a veteran who somehow, I don't know how he managed to do this, but he managed to sneak a grenade from Vietnam that was live back into Minnesota. They were in a house in South Minneapolis. There was a whole bunch of them. They were getting high on weed and other things. My brother left the house party to go to a nearby store and get a pack of cigarettes. And the gentleman who had just come back from Vietnam was high as a kite with his friends, pulled the pin on the grenade, blew the back of that house apart. Multiple friends of my brother died. Why God saved his life at that time, I do not know. Shortly thereafter, when I was uh, 15 years old, my same older brother was killed in a car accident. Those of you who are older remember when we used to pack a whole bunch of people into a small car and count how many people we could fit in like a little Volkswagen. This was a two-seater Jaguar XKE. It was brand new. The driver was the lawyer for his band and the driver was drunk as a skunk, and they went out for a ride before a rock concert they were going to perform in a little what used to be farm town called Lakeville. Back then, it was a farming community. If you know anything about it now, it's full of houses. So they go out for this ride in this Jaguar, and the driver's drunk, and they decided to pour seven people into that two-seater Jag. They hit a ditch in what was a farm community. You used to have those little things where the tractors would drive into the fields. They hit that at 150 miles an hour. The Jag flipped in the air and came down. For those of you who remember Jaguar XKEs, they had a big window in the back. All that glass in the window went into my brother's lungs. He ended up at St. Francis Hospital in Shakopee. My family was in shock. Honestly, at 15 years old, I was asked by the morgue attendant to come into the hospital morgue and identify my brother's body. 
I was 15. And I said, yeah, that's my brother. At a very young age, I was abused in many, many ways that I don't want to stand here and talk about because there's kids here and there's kids that are going to see this video by people that should have watched over me and protected me. Because of that, I confess I have had addictions to pornography in my life and I have had sexual addictions that I can trace all the way back to my childhood. Thank God that's cured. In Psalms 31, it says, Turn your ear to me. This is God talking. And I truly believe if you're a lover of his word, he's talking to me and to each and every one of you. I've been through Bethel Seminary. I graduated. I believe his book is talking to each and every one of us. He's not just talking to the Israelites 2,000 years ago. He's talking to you and me. Psalms 31 says, turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior in 1964. I was eight years old. I was in my parents' living room in Richfield, and we watched Billy Graham on TV. I heard what he said. I believed every word of it. I thought he was a godly man, so I did what he said we should do. I went into my parents' bedroom by myself when the show was done. I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins, to help me to live for him, and I believe, it's taken a while, but I believe that he's done that. I also believe that he can do it for each and every one of you. Our family was quote unquote Christian. We went to church. It wasn't an Assembly of God church, but it was an evangelical free church. I've pastored Baptist churches. I've pastored free churches. Every church is full of people who have stuff. I preached a sermon once on how churches are hospitals for the sick. We come here to be healed. My family had many, my birth family, had many, many deep, dark family secrets, even though we were a Christian church-going family. So one of the ways to get out of that, I found out, was to go to church camp. I could get away from the problems at home. Eventually, when I was old enough, I could work at church camp. I found out that if I worked at church camp, I could stay there all summer. Pretty good deal. I got away from home for all summer. In Jeremiah 29, it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Again, he's talking to you. This is him talking to you. I have plans for welfare for you, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me and will come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. It's Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. 
I turned 16, I got a job at, uh, some of you might remember this, Southdale McDonald's. Eventually I became a manager there. This is part of my confession. <clears throat> I met and dated many girls from Southdale McDonald's. I prided myself on being alone with six different girls in a 24-hour period. All of this I did while being one of the leaders of the youth at our church. Some of my lowest points in life. After high school, I went away to a college called Bethel College. Bethel is Beth is house and El is God, house of God. I went there for four months and I found out that I could not afford private college. So I moved back home. I worked again at that McDonald's during the day and I worked at a nursing home at night as a night orderly to pay off my student loans. Even back in 1964, I couldn't, or 1974, I could not afford my student loans. Here's my confession again. I dated girls from both of those jobs. One of the repercussions of that was I got hepatitis. I almost died. I was about a third of the size that I am now because hepatitis will kill you from the inside out. When I got better, eventually I had a different reason to go back to a hospital. Methodist Hospital in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, I don't know now, but at the time they had an abortion clinic. I got a young lady pregnant. This is my confession before you. I paid for an abortion. I aborted my firstborn child. After that, there were several miscarriages. First Peter chapter 5, verse 10 says, And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. It's First Peter 5. <clears throat> because of my anger issues, I lost my first wife. I have wrestled most of my life with a lack of trust of others, feeling very unloved. I have harbored hatred. I have harbored anger since my childhood. People who have very strong personalities, I don't like. I don't trust them. I often get offended way too easily and I react strongly in a negative manner. PTSD comes in many shapes and forms. I've wrestled with God because of my sins and his love and acceptance and forgiveness. I have asked him multiple times to forgive me. I've asked him to change my life for his glory and I have begged with God to see the three children that I have in heaven someday. Psalm 61 says, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. You can say this with me because I truly believe your Bible's talking to you so we can talk back to him. Listen to my prayer, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I take refuge in the shelter of your wings. For you, God, have heard my vows. 
You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. If you're taking notes, that's Psalm 61. The next thing that Celebrate Recovery will ask you to do in your, in your recovery program is to write about when things started to turn for the better. When God started to affect your life so much that you started changing your behaviors. The first 12-step recovery group I joined was during my first marriage. I knew that there were some things that were wrong. I knew that I was part of the problem, so I went to a recovery group in the cities. Shortly thereafter, I went through a divorce. I ended up at Crystal Evangelical Free Church, which is now Hope Church, New Hope Church in New Hope, Minnesota. They had a divorce recovery program. And I needed that because I was going through a divorce. And it was done. And I went to recovery in the basement of a church. If you've ever been to a recovery group in churches, sometimes you end up in the uh, children's area for lack of space in the church. And those little tables that kids sit at in elementary schools that fold in the middle so the janitor can clean the floor easier. We were sitting at one of those because usually if you break up into smaller groups, people will open up more. The bigger the group, people will say less. Smaller groups, people tend to become more open. Well, there was this lady who came for her first night and her husband had just left her for the very last time. She was tired of being beaten. She was tired of him coming home drunk all the time. She was tired of him carousing and all the other things that he was doing. And he left for the last time. She came to this divorce recovery group and she poured out of her soul on the first night she was there. And this lady at the other end of this little table stood up, pounded on the table, and I'll leave the name out, but she said, we need to stop right now and pray for that lady sitting in this first pew over here. And I looked down the table at her, and you can call me crazy, you can ask God when you get to heaven, but I heard what I believe was a Holy Spirit whisper in my ear, that's the one. Well, that particular divorce recovery group, they gave you lists of people's addresses and phone numbers to call each other up and encourage each other. That turned into a dating list. But I only had the courage to write to one person. There's this thing in the Bible called putting out a fleece to God. I couldn't, I couldn't get up the guts to call her. So I wrote her a letter. <laughs> And my fleece with God was, if she writes back, that means that voice that I heard was right. If she doesn't write back, it was nothing. And, you know, move on with your life. She wrote back. She's probably thinking that was the dumbest thing she ever did. But she wrote back. I spent quite a bit of time working up all my courage to ask her out to Caribou for Caribou Coffee. And she said no about 500 times. So finally I said, okay, what's it going to take? She said references. I gave her five pages, multiple pastors. I even put my ex on that list. I said, call them up, write them, whatever you got to do. I want to take you out for caribou. 
Last year in September, we celebrated 20 years of marriage. God works in mysterious ways. Psalms 30, verses 11 to 12 say, You have turned my wailing into dancing. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. In June of 2013, I graduated from a school some of you might have heard of called Bethel Seminary. God has gifted me with pastoral duties at several churches in addition to multiple careers. Those of you who have been pastors know you can't always survive on a pastor's uh, salary. You have to have a real job <laughs> that pays the bills. I've, I've done three and four jobs at a time, whatever it takes to provide for the family. Well, now I work at a place you might have heard of called the Minnesota Correctional Facility at Rush City. I started with the state of Minnesota at the Minnesota Correctional Facility, Stillwater. If you've heard anything in the news for the last year, a gentleman by the name of Joseph Gom was killed there. He was an officer. He was a co-worker of mine. He was killed two floors above my office. You never forget things like that, how short life is and how quickly God can take it. Well, they shut down our program, and I got transferred to uh, MinCorp headquarters and eventually transferred to Rush City because it's closer to home. And uh, there was a guy here that I work with who taught me a lot of things about working in the prisons, and he was here earlier this morning. I was thankful for that. One of the things that God has taught me to do, because to be honest, I don't want to go to prison Monday through Friday. Most of you probably don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So I read three to four devotionals every morning to psych my mind around going to prison to deal with men who have, on average, four felonies apiece. I quote scripture in my mind. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I kind of do that thing all the time. <laughs> Last week of victory, one of them asked me for a Gideon's Bible, because it has things in the back that tell you when you're going through different things in life, what passage relates. I talked to the chaplain, the chaplain was able to get him one. Thank you for paying your taxes. God loves us all. Some people go to prison to pay their debts. God still loves them, as he does each and every one of us. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7 say, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. I know that God loves me. I know that he has a plan for my life. I trust him. And that has grown my desire and my ability to trust others more. Psalms 30, verse 12 says, My heart may sing and not be silent, Lord my God. I will praise you forever. One of the things in Celebrate Recovery is they have steps that you go through. Recovery, I'll speak for myself, it's not an overnight thing. Sometimes it can take many years. Some addictions are very hard to kick. We can go back to them time and time again. My Bible says my God forgives me when I ask him to, and I try to change and live for him. Celebrate Recovery Step 5 is one of my favorites. It says, we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being 
the exact nature of our wrongs. I lead the Bible study here on Saturday mornings, and we just got done with the book of James. I'm going to give you a quote from the book of James. I think this relates to each and every one of us, and I'm standing up here today doing it. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other. And then it tells us why. And if we pray for each other, we do that. We pray for each other. We confess our sins so that you may be healed. To confess, to pray for each other is a healing thing. That healing comes from above. Every good and perfect gift cometh from above. Some changes that God has made in my relationships with others. My bride, Marcia, is here today, and she will tell you that I have issues with my temper. I got old, and I'm not as feisty as I used to be, because <laughs> God has a way of humbling people through life circumstances. He has helped me reduce that temper. I have three children in heaven. I'm not afraid to go to prisons where people die trying to protect you from what's inside those walls. I'm not afraid of going to heaven. I'm not in a hurry to get there, but I'm not afraid of it. Because I have three children that I look forward to seeing that I've never seen. I've also learned what it is to lose a job for your faith. To be persecuted because you're a believer in Jesus. And the people you supervise know that about you. The Christian walk is not necessarily easy. All my birth family is gone, except for one sister who's in a wheelchair. When my brother died, and my parents, I always wanted a bigger family. <clears throat> God has this way. He says he will give us the desires of our heart. Well, after I married Marcia, she looked at me and said, will you adopt my daughter? Taylor is not my biological daughter, but I had a judge bring me up on the podium at a Hennepin County court, downtown Minneapolis, and he looked me in the eye and he said, Mr. Applequist, where you've changed your daughter's birth certificate to put your name on it. He says, I know you're not her biological father, but you are now in charge of her for the rest of her life. She was in diapers at the time as a little kid. So after three wonderful sons from my first marriage, I got a little baby girl, the strong-willed child, who has kept me humble and taught me all kinds of things that I should know. He's also rewarded me because I'm not afraid to go where he sends me. I have eight grandkids. I love to wrestle with them on the floor. I know their parents, they all love God. God is good. If we come to him in humble submission, admit what we've done, ask for his forgiveness, he will give us blessings beyond your wildest dreams. He has ways of rewarding us in ways I never imagined. He has showered me with blessings over and over. We just finished in uh, 
Saturday morning is reading the book of James. This is a quote from James, and it says, in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. So every good and perfect gift you've ever been given came down from God. Don't forget that. How has my walk with God changed? I go where he sends me. Currently, tomorrow morning at 6.30, I will be at Minnesota Correctional Facility, Rust City. I admit, I don't want to be there. <laughs> but I know that God wants me there, so I go. I read four devotionals to psych my mind to get there, and I realize that I am helpless without him. Every morning, I am surrounded by 120 felons who have, on average, four felonies apiece. What are some of the great benefits I have received from working the Celebrate Recovery Program? I've benefited from prayer, singing praises to God, fellowship with other Christians, serving others, and accountability. Accountability is not a thing most churches want to talk about because it cuts to the core. Walk in the walk instead of just talking the talk. Celebrate Recovery has some aspects of it that relate to accountability. My faith and trust in God are my life. I love his son Jesus, and I love his word. This is my life. If you were a newcomer and you came on Tuesday night at 6 o'clock right here, what would I talk to you about as a newcomer? I'm going to tell you some of those things that we would talk about. I'm going to give you some Bible verses about how to know God better. There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not just me, as each and every one of you. Christ died on the cross for us and our sins. Going on in Romans, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, it's free. His eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All you got to do is ask him. Ask him to help you get past your sins. Ask him to forgive you, to leave all that baggage at the foot of the cross, leave it there, and walk in faith and trust in him. Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ at Lord, your Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For the heart of man believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For whoever will call upon the name of Jesus will be saved. Whoever. Not just me, not just the felons that I work with, but you, your family, your loved ones. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. On Saturday mornings, we're going through the book of John. And this is the next chapter that we're coming to. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have 
eternal life. That's John 3.16. There's another one from Romans. Jesus is known as being the good shepherd. He said in Romans 10, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish. Perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. Years ago, with Marsha at my side, we were Awana commanders at a church in Maple Grove, and then at a church that I pastored in Robbinsdale. And the week of Halloween, even church kids get scared about the boogeyman and the goblins and the ghosts and all that kind of stuff. So I would tell them this verse, and I would remind them that it says, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. When God's got you, he ain't letting go. You might do a whole bunch of really dumb stuff like I've done, but he ain't letting go. Our God is not a God who lets go. He loves his children. That's us. Not just me. He's talking to you. Again, this book is not for the Israelites. It's for us. Claim it as your own. I was paid a lot of money to go to Bethel Seminary and learn that. <laughs> Claim the book as your own. Encouraging newcomers to celebrate recovery has some eternal benefits. One of the questions that we are asked in our testimony is, am I sharing the good news with the world? Where and with whom? Well, I go to prison Monday through Friday. When I get out, I don't have to wear an ankle bracelet. I get to go home at the end of the shift. I share my faith. The state of Minnesota allows me to do that as long as I get my work done with offenders and coworkers. And again, it's not often, but this week an offender asked me to get him a Bible. I talked to the chaplain and the chaplain got him a Bible. Don't forget to pray for people that are in prison. Don't forget to pray for the staff. It is not easy. Eight, nine hours a day dealing with felons. Life is not easy. I have one last passage that I want to leave you with. This is from Psalms. Book of Psalms is a big book, but Psalms 146 says this. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner, and he sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. Again, this book was written for each and every one of you. You want to get to know God? Get to know his word. You'll find him in here. He's waiting for you to open the book and change your life. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. Would you consider a financial gift to help support this ministry? Giving is simple and safe. Just go to our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com, and click on the Give tab. 
Thank you for your generous gift.